Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. I'm here with Yasmin. Hi. Oh, cool. <laughs> It's so crazy that I saw you guys five years ago. Was that one of your first times playing in Hong Kong that, or Asia? That was the first wow. time playing in Hong Kong. Oh, Damn. So that was, it's 2018. That was five years ago. <laughs> That's insane. That was actually kind of like a few years after the start of your career. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And you already made it to Asia, so that's awesome. <laughs> I think that was one of our first trips to Asia. So yeah. much fun. Damn. So you were born in Windy City or? No, so Jahan and I were both born in Houston, but we oh, moved okay. to Chicago when I was one. Oh. So I don't consider myself a Texan. Yeah. I'm definitely a Chicagoan through and yeah. through. Yeah. <laughs> Did your parents meet in Houston or? No, they actually met in LA. Oh. Yeah. We have one other sister and she was born in LA. Yeah. Yeah, our parents met in the 80s in LA. Got what? married and had one yeah. one of the children here. What made your dad move here? Because he moved from Pakistan when he was like 19, right? Exactly. So he, um, he got accepted to the University of Texas, UT Austin. And so he moved to Texas and he went to school there and he stayed here ever since. He's been here since yeah. he was 19. What did he study? Um, he studied, uh, he's one of the most incredibly intelligent men I've ever met in my life. He studied math and science. What? Yeah, he, he's a... He's a bit of a genius my dad <laughs> but yeah he went on to do so many things though so I don't think he ever did anything specifically in what he studied he just loved America though so I think it, it was just his shoe in it was a way to get here and yeah. pursue whatever he could dream of what was his career like when you were growing up it was all over the place um, Honestly, I think he, he changed career paths like every five years. Now he's a real estate agent oh. in LA. So he's finally doing, I think, kind of what he's always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. He loves real estate, loves <laughs> LA. Y'all need a house in LA. My dad's got you. Oh my God, shout out your dad. Yeah, shout out my dad. He is, he's like my BFF, so. How about your mom? I love my mom. She's a, she's a graphic designer. Oh. Self-made woman, college dropout. She's like, fuck this, I don't need it. So you kind of got that sense from her then, right? The creative, like, fuck this yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess that is that is where it came from. I didn't even realize that. But um, she, she dropped out in a responsible way. She's like... I don't actually need this. I could be making money and starting my career without it. Yeah. And so I'm going to do the smart thing, not funnel more more money into this mm. when I don't need it. Yeah. And I'm going to do I'm going to be a boss bitch <laughs> and do my thing. And they were playing like was your dad more into ABBA and your mom was more into like rock music? Yeah, so um before my dad even moved to the states, his favorite band was ABBA. <laughs> so like back in Pakistan, they were like sensation mm -hmm. and so we grew up on a lot of ABBA and stuff because of him but he loved man he loved a lot of different music uh, my mom definitely was more into the rock the Led Zeppelin Pink Floyd but the both of them together were obsessed with new wave music so any 80s like the cure Depeche Mode Pet Shop Boys that was a huge chunk of what we grew up. They'll love, I mean, the 80s are some of my favorite jams. Talking mm -hmm. heads. Oh my god. <laughs> I love it all. And then yourself, you listen to more of like the Fallout Boy stuff, right? 
Were you listening to more band stuff? Mm, I, I listened to Fall Boy is definitely one of my favorite bands. Um, I listened to a little bit of everything. I listened to a lot of hip-hop and R&B, a lot of alternative rock, a lot of pop. Not too much electronic music, which I know since seems really weird, but I just don't really yeah. listen to the, the genre that we're in. But yeah, I'm kind of all over the yeah. place. I am, yeah. <laughs> How do you describe yourself back then growing up? High school, I was very quiet, very, very shy. I definitely like ate lunch in the art room every day. I was super afraid of the lunch room. Oh my God, I stayed away at all costs. Mm -hmm. um, I was probably the girl that nobody actually really ever talked to or knew was there, mm -hmm. which was fine with me. I'd rather like, I'd rather be under the radar and have no one notice I'm there because I don't know, I was just really shy. Mm -hmm. I didn't like people looking at me or talking to me and just kind of like, Mm -hmm. Chill, chilled in my corner. And <laughs> what were you absorbed with then? Um, I was, I was in AP art in high school, so I was trying to pursue art and science and math in like some sort of way to combine it all because I loved school. I loved learning. Mm. Um, I don't think I had a favorite subject because everything was my favorite. And yeah. like I was in, by the end of high school. I was in calc and trig, and so I wanted to like take my math side and like apply it to my very artistic side. You just really like your parents then, more than what they're I, really good at. I am a That's like so awesome. full half and half of the two. <laughs> so yeah, um, I was absorbed with school, and I was in a band in high school, an indie band like an indie rock kind of like Death Cab for Cutie mm -hmm. style. Well, we wanted to be them. I don't think we I don't think we were, but we wanted to be. And then um, and then Cruella. I mean, that was my whole life right there. So it was like art, school, music. Yeah. But it was also a religious school, right? No. Um, we went to Islamic school on yeah. the weekends. Oh, on yeah, the weekends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in public school. Normal ass school. <laughs> Did you have like problems fitting in in the onset? Um, I don't think I really tried to fit in because I didn't really... I don't know if I really related to a lot of people. So I had my handful of friends and I didn't feel pressured to have anything more than that. I wasn't yeah. like striving to be super popular or have a big friend group or I, I was content with how it was. And then also growing up a lot of they play lots of like Bollywood movies and yeah, music. Yeah, that's a lot of what I grew up on since age maybe three or four. We were watching Bollywood movies. And it's funny because we don't really speak Urdu very well. Mm -hmm. So, or, or Hindi because they're a similar language. So my dad would have to pause the movies every 10 minutes and be like, <laughs> okay, so this guy is married to this lady, but their parents are dead. And he had to, he'd have to like give us the whole plot rundown because that yeah. was like before subtitles were really a thing. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I grew up on them and the music, the movies and the music. And this is also something that I asked a lot of like mixed race because I'm also like half Chinese, half American. Nice. But did you ever feel some like identity conflict? Um, uh, yes and no. I think there were times in my life that I felt so um, gravitated towards my Pakistani Muslim side and I wanted to become more of that. Like there were times in my life that I was super religious and I was like maybe someday I want to um, 
cover my head at all times. Maybe someday I'm going to um, try, you know, I, I just had religious goals. And so I identified very much with that culturally Pakistan vibe. And then there are other times in my life where I just didn't focus on it at all. So I guess that's an identity crisis, but I didn't really think about it that way. Looking back, you might call it that, but I, I wasn't like, I'm having an existential crisis of who I am. I think every kid has that. No matter who you are, where you grow up, I don't think there's a kid out there who's like, I know exactly who I am. Yeah. That's it. I still don't know who the fuck I am. I'm 25 and I'm still figuring it out. So. And your mom converted, right? She did. Uh, she converted when they got married. So there hasn't been any like religious conflicts. They were kind of like together with the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, my um, mom was actually the one who, who was even more religious and, and, and pushed us to be more religious than my dad did. But now neither of them, I mean, they're divorced and they've mm -hmm. been divorced for like 10 years, Whoa, like nine years. And um, neither of them are religious yeah. anymore anyways. I think it was just a really, they thought it was a really good way to raise their children. Yeah. To, like, Because religion instills a lot of moral and ethical values in kids, and which I, I agree. I, I don't really love religion. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's the greatest thing ever for mm -hmm. our world, but I do really appreciate what Islam instilled in me as like just in general how to be a decent human being yeah. so yeah was there divorce difficult for you that was like towards the end of your high school years then right? exactly it happened when I was 17 I mean they had been separated for a couple of years already and we kind of all saw it coming mm. and I was kind of in the mindset that if my parents can be happier people separate then why be why be that kid who's like, no, it can't happen, and freak out and make them feel even worse for it. So my sisters and I, we were just, we just let them do what they needed to do because you can't control it. So you actually join on to Cruella, right? Well, Like not, really early on? I mean, Chris and Jahan, yeah. Chris, her former member, and my sister started it in like within a month. Oh, there, It was like yeah. very, very early on. Yeah. It wasn't even like... A thing yet and I got home from school one day they were like hey Yasmin come here can you sing this and they just had me record this thing and they were like cool we should do this I'm like okay sure <laughs> that's tight um, it, it wasn't really planned it just mm -hmm. kind of fell into it it's so weird looking back to think that we would still be doing it over 10 years later it's kind yeah. of insane I would have never ever expected that but were you singing before that though? <clears throat> yeah, I was already in that indie band in high school and I'd kind of already been, oh shit, what is going on here? Oh. Hey, okay. Yeah, and I got a guitar for my 10th birthday. So I was writing songs from age 10 on. I was like obsessed. Every day I would come home and play guitar for hours oh, wow. and write songs and I had notebooks full of lyrics and I don't know, I, I just, I kind of think I just did it for fun back then though. I wasn't like, I'm going to be a rock star someday. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't in my plans mm -hmm. because I was like the, the nerdy math science kid in my family. And so my parents were like, cool, we have one kid who's definitely going to go and pursue some really nerdy shit <laughs> and she's not going to be an artist. And look what I'm doing, I'm an artist. <laughs> Can't control your fate. <laughs> And then were you 
thinking about college or anything like after high school or yeah um god I had it's weird thinking back this is like seven years ago now seven or eight but <clears throat> I had a lot of different ideas of what I could be doing I wanted to do on the east coast there's this design school called RISD, mm, Rhode yeah. Island School of Design, and they do this program with Brown University where you can yeah. get a double major, one at one school, the other at another school. So I wanted to take, I wanted to do a fine arts major at RISD and then some sort of engineering major at oh, Brown. Wow. Yeah. And so that was like, that was my plan. You know, that was like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And then that shit got derailed because of Cruella, and I am so happy it did because looking back, I wasn't ready to like know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. At 18, I don't know, I, I was just, I, I think I was just pulling together what I thought I had to do because that's like the next step that society tells you you got to do. You have to like go to high school and the, the graduation rate at my, high school was like 99.9% and then the college rate like the the amount of kids who go to college immediately after mm -hmm. my high school was so high too oh wow a lot yeah. of peer pressure then uh, tons I had two teachers telling me like you can't take this gap year don't do it it's gonna ruin your life and shit like that and obviously I didn't listen to them and I'm doing what I'm doing today but there's a lot of pressure yeah. as an 18 year old to be like Cool. so who are you what do you want to do with the rest of your life figured out right now that's crazy that's mm -hmm. kind of crazy unless you actually know it and you are so sure and you're like I just love this that's beautiful but I'm I'm grateful for the gap year it took that turned into the gap life because I never went to college were you also doing some like, <clears throat> part-time jobs during that gap year oh yeah I mean since I was 15 I've, I've been working jobs I got a job at a bookstore all throughout high school I love reading. <laughs> I was such a little shy motherfucker, but... What are your favorite authors? Oh, I have so many. Um, <clears throat> so, I am a Potterhead. J.K. Rowling is my number one, but anything that's fantasy sci-fi... Oh, like there's this series called Whispers of Merwin. That's a great... You guys are fantasy readers. <laughs> that one's insane. It's a three-book series. Um... There's this amazing book called The Gargoyle. That's my favorite book by Andrew Davidson, I think is his name. Um, oh, what's that other book I recently read? Oh, um, The Atlantis Gene. It's, oh. a, it's a 304 book series that's like super crazy sci-fi, futuristic shit. It, I read a lot. I, sometimes <laughs> the, the names of the books and the authors become a blur. So I'm like, oh, I just read that last week, but now I'm onto a different book. And, Oh, and I just read this book recently called, <sighs> damn it, I can't even remember the name of it, it was so good though, um, it'll come to me, Okay. I'm gonna blurt it out, like, randomly, <laughs> in like two minutes, like, that was, <laughs> and Dark then, Matter, I oh, think, that's what it, it is, it's called Dark Matter, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> there it is, <laughs> and then, in that gap year, like, when, was that when Alive came out, or was that like no, after? No, so... That was like way after. No, that wasn't even way after. That was... It was close. So that gap year was when I was 18 and 19, and that gap year was just making music every single day. 
we, we were on this like really weird routine. So we'd wake up at like 8.30 or 8 a.m., go to Chris's house. Our manager, Nathan, would meet up with us. He's still our manager now. Wow. We, he found us on MySpace. Um, he would meet us there. We would all meet at Chris's house. And Nathan would run with us and make us sing and run for like the first part of the day because mm -hmm. we had to like build up our vocal stamina. And it was so hard and I hated it. And I was like, why are we doing this? I don't see the point. I'm so glad we did it now. <laughs> um, and then we'd spend the rest of the day writing out a full song and working on a song. And by the end of the day, we had like done live show, like the, the running and singing was the prep for the live show and then writing a song. And so that was every single day for so long for, I mean, it was basically a full year of that. So we, we called it Cruella University. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, crew you. But yeah, so that was, that was that. And then after that gap year, we moved in together, all of us. And that's when we wrote Alive. Oh. And yeah, it, and then everything kind of, the thing is, it, it picked up a little bit before then, because we we had released a couple songs before then. We had released Killing It, the Skrillex remix called Breathe was the song. Um, we had our first couple songs, like One Minute and Strobe Light. So we had released a couple things before it, but yeah, when we yeah. wrote the Play Hard EP in its entirety, it was just like, it was that turning point for sure. Yeah. And then you also, but mostly, Initially, you played in like local venues, right? Yeah, like Cobra Lounge. Exactly. You've all <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you describe the first show that you did? Oh, it was it was a bit train wrecky. We were <laughs> we were playing this side room at a club in Chicago. I can't even remember what it was called. I was nineteen. I wasn't allowed to be in the club, so I had to like go play and then fucking leave immediately. Um, we just like. Because we were, we were trying to teach ourselves how to DJ so last minute, like a couple weeks before these first shows. So we had never really done it before. And we were just screwing around, really nervous. And it, it probably was horrible. From what I remember, it was horrible. <laughs> but um, yeah, slowly over time, just experience yeah. of playing more shows, it gets better. And mm -hmm. bigger shows, the numbers start growing. And you get more comfortable on stage and and the next kind of big milestone was the ultra 2013 right i mean that i mean that was a huge milestone for sure that was the first time in america that we did live vocals mm. um which was a huge deal for us um was that was that 2013 yes it was thank you you're helping me remember my life right <laughs> I'm now such a dates person so i don't no, remember no, it's, at all it's good it kind of keeps my timeline <laughs> in check in my head but yeah that was a, that was a huge milestone for us for sure just being in in the festival bracket basically in general was a huge thing for us do you have pressure because that song took off like decently quickly that you had to like <coughs> put up like a next single that would be able to like match it at that point? So yeah, I mean, we were on Columbia Records at that time and um, they had just signed us. We were super green. And with the success of Alive, we had to kind of scramble to figure out where we were going. Because if you listen to that Play Hard EP, the EP that Alive is on, mm -hmm. Alive is the only song 
that sounds like alive on that EP. Everything else is kind of a sampler of the, of the other shit we wanted to do. And so it sucked because we had the label in one of our ears being like, cool, guys, what's the next single? What's the next hit? Ba 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 ba. And then on the other side, we had ourselves being like, well, we just want to make this today, or we just want to fuck around and make this today. So it's definitely a lot of pressure. I think um, looking back, I'm so grateful that we were on a major label. We left Columbia, by the way, a year mm. ago, and now we're independent, and I'm very thankful for it. But um, I do think that it's a bit restrictive for an artist to be, uh, to have expectations in general of yourself, of other people having expectations for you. So yeah, it, it was a bit rough, but I think it made us better songwriters, it made us better artists in general to have a little bit of pressure too. So yeah. Pressure's not always a bad thing. <laughs> was it difficult? Because like the first few songs you put out were so early on in like dance music that has changed so much. Do you think you had to stay current with the times or anything? So there was definitely that pressure also, and things are still constantly changing in the dance music space. It's kind of crazy how quickly they change, yeah. but... I mean, there have been times in the studio that we felt like we were chasing something, but we don't really do that anymore. It's it's too tiring. It's like, you can't, you couldn't possibly keep up. And also, why would you want to keep up with something that you weren't a part of creating anyways? Why wouldn't you want to just create your own thing? And so, instead, we just kind of, we kind of just do our own thing now, yeah. so. <laughs> I think the music video that you did with Vava. Yeah. So cool. Thank I can't you. figure out. Okay, so I think the main shot was like Taiwan or something, or was it Shanghai? And then it's it goes on. into Hong Kong. Does it go into Hong Kong? Does it? I, I recognize the taxis. Oh, or where well, did you shoot it? The whole thing was shot in Shanghai. Oh, Shanghai? Yeah, yeah. Damn, I guess they have similar taxis. <laughs> I, I think maybe they do because, yeah, that whole music video was shot in Shanghai and it was the first music video that we've shot not in America and it was tight. Yeah. It was super dope. What was our decision to collaborate with her? So our management sent over a bundle of a bunch of international artists and Jahan and I did a bunch of research on them and we started listening to each one and Vava really stood out because she's just so... Oh, hi, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> she's so unique and she has such an insane flow and the fact that she's pretty much one of the only and biggest female rappers in China. Yeah, I've been following her for a minute. So yeah. then I'm like, you guys, oh my God, I'm so glad for the collab. Hell yeah. And she's also the sweetest, nicest girl ever. Jeez, she's so talented and so humble. I, Everything about her artist career to me was impressive. And so um, we pursued her and luckily she wanted to do a collab yeah. with us. It was so cool. And um, we ended up shooting the music video with her too. And she was just so easy to work with. She came back with that verse, I think in 24 hours, she sent it back to us after asking. I'm like, oh my God, this chick is so quick too. Yeah, so I, I was very impressed with the whole process. Did you realize that you had some sort of like rapping skills? It was like kind of some, part, some parts of the song, like fast paced. I mean, I listen to a lot of hip hop and rap, so yeah. it's probably where it comes from. <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about how I sound, because half the time I'm like, I probably sound really stupid. Oh but my god, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, 
just I just go with it now. I don't know. Every day in the studio is different. Some days I'm like really channeling that, and other days I'm I feel like I'm I I don't have the I don't have the proper swag to channel that. So. <laughs> How do you think your music has changed since the early songs you made? It's more confident. Mm -hmm. um, I think Jahan and I have definitely grown up, but still retains that like childlike, just that inner childlike spirit. And so there's still that Cruella reckless spirit in everything we do. But I think we've just we have so much experience under our belts now that writing songs isn't like throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks. Mm. We kind of know where we're at now. We know what we're striving for and um, we're not searching for what makes Cruella Cruella. We, we kind of just know it now. It's a bit more of a streamlined process in the studio now. Mm -hmm. How do you think you've grown as a person? Um. I think I have a lot more acceptance in my heart now, just in general, mm -hmm. of meeting so many people and traveling the world, experiencing so many religions and cultures and humans and I don't know, it just gives you an insane perspective to travel for work. Like mm -hmm. if your work is to constantly be on the road, meet new people all the time. I'm literally meeting hordes of new people every single yeah. day pretty much and, Crazy. and I'm hearing people's stories and I'm hearing people's about people's lives and their love and their loss and their pain and it just makes you see humanity as something bigger than your little tiny bubble or circle it mm -hmm. just it opens up the world and so yeah I think I've just become more accepting and I, I, I don't know, I, I guess I just have a lot, it's so cheesy, but I just have a lot more love in my heart now, mm -hmm. too. Yeah, actually, with that, what does love mean to you? Um, man, it's so funny, I think I used to think one thing, and now as I'm older, love is such a different thing. Um, love is, love is everything. Love is literally, as a... I know it's such a common thing to say, but love is a religion because I'm not religious, I'm more spiritual than anything, but when people talk about God, I have a hard time relating. But if you're to talk to me about love, I'm like, that is God. Everything that we feel, that like, uh, that to me is the religion we should all be following. So mm -hmm. love is everything. Yeah. <laughs> I love love. I love being in love, I love giving my love, I love feeling love. It is literally everything. Other than the split, what challenges have you had? Ooh, that's such a big question. Um, I think as a woman, I've had certain challenges. Jahan and I have talked about this endlessly, but we've had a lot of challenges of figuring out where is, where is our personal line and how much we give of ourselves mm. and that could mean emotionally vulnerably that could mean um, how much of our body we're showing that could mean in our lyrics how much are we telling that line could be a part of any aspect of our careers and our lives and so as women we have felt that in the past that we've had to be so careful about it mm -hmm. and as we grow up 
that struggle actually starts to fall away a little bit. You start to loosen up over time. You start to realize that um, there is power in being a woman. There is power in embracing this feminine divinity. There's power in embracing what makes you feel beautiful and sexy, whether that's showing skin or showing none at all. Or Yeah, so um, I think the, the struggle or challenge was with embracing womanhood in general and I think as I grow up I love it's it's definitely shitty to be a woman sometimes like damn periods every month why 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 what was the point of that no but like um I I love it more and more mm -hmm. as I grow up and so that struggle that challenge you're talking about that kind of falls away so I guess that isn't something I struggle with as much anymore yeah but that was that was mm -hmm. What does success look like to you? Um, in a very tangible way, I'd say success looks like my whole family and my loved ones being comfortable, safe, happy, healthy, and not stressed out, full of love, excited about life, and close to each other. Mm -hmm. So that's the very tangible. But success could also just look like my personal inner peace. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's success, stillness in yourself. And last question: What do you want to be remembered for? Oh, I never think about this kind of stuff because I don't really care if I'm remembered. Mm -hmm. It's not really. It's never really been one of my goals to have like statues made of me <laughs> and like. And it's cool if in a hundred years people still remember our songs. That's. That's tight, but um, I don't really, if I had to be remembered for something, I would hope that people who have met me have walked away with a little bit more love or happiness or peace, that peace we're talking about. Mm -hmm. but I don't really care about being remembered. I'm here right now, and when I'm gone, I'm gone. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's okay. Yeah. I don't, uh, that's just life. That's how it goes. <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>